This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 88. Submission number 218. Aftermash. Aftermash aired on CBS from September 26, 1983 to May 31st, 1985 for a total of 31 episodes, one of which went unaired. So you have three of the principal cast members from MASH, and you're seven months removed from the final episode, which was, and still is, one of the most popular and most critically revered television episodes in history. So what went wrong? I guess we're going to find the answer to that one, aren't we? Yeah. Well, maybe they chose the wrong cast members because uh, if you take a look at this, you had Colonel Potter, who I mean was was good. I mean he he was good as the uh, leader of the group. Hey, hey Terry Morgan. Yeah, you yeah, can't. Terry Morgan. I, I I know it's Terry Morgan. Uh, but, but the thing is, I think the supporting cast is really what made the show so good. It wasn't necessarily who led in terms of, uh, you know, Colonel Potter, when you're talking about Hawkeye and when you're talking about Radar and Klinger and, and, and Hot Lips, that, I think, really is who made MASH. And also we should include our favorite, McLean Stevenson. Yeah. So, yeah, the, uh, the, the three characters that were spun off on this show were Colonel Potter and Klinger and Father Mulcahy. William Christopher. So you don't have radar. You don't have hot lips. You don't have, I mean, Trapper John went on to bigger things. You don't have Hawkeye. I mean, Hawkeye's like the big name. And I'd say yeah. also hot lips too. I mean, clear, I would say is like number two. And then like father Mulcahy is like, I'd say legitimately like number five or number six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, compared to again, Trapper John and 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 Hawkeye and and, yeah. and Radar yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you all... didn't really get the three best characters. You got like, you, you got maybe number two, number four, and number six. Yeah, no due respect to William Christopher, but bit player. Yeah, but yeah, it, it. I mean, it's one of those shows where you know, it it has everything going for it, and yet it fails. I'm I'm still I'm still confused. I, I guess we'll find out more as the night goes on here. But about this show, it was basically it is, in every form and facet, a continuation of the story set by MASH. Yeah. We have it, it all starts with the with the uh reti- with for, the forced retirement of Colonel Potter. Returning home to his wife a day early, I should say. Yeah, he got home a day early to surprise her. Mm-hmm. And and he was not a big fan. And remember, September of '53, uh, veterans from the Korean War 
they were looking now now that they're out of the war, they're looking to uh find themselves on the home front. Yeah, they're and, looking for jobs. Yeah, and Colonel Potter was among them. Oh and so he decided that he would return he well actually he didn't decide it. Mildred, his wife, decided maybe you should go back to work. So he was he was uh hired to work at General Pershing Veterans Hospital, or as they call it, General General, in Missouri. Dum dum. <laughs> yeah, General General. And of course, the person overseeing him was administrate was administrative bureaucrat Mike D'Angelo. And yet, he still didn't find himself fulfilled until. He wrote a letter and got an old friend from Toledo to join him. Old friend from Toledo. Who would that be? That'd be Max- Maxwell. That'd be Maxwell Klinger. Not not Maxwell Klinger and his wife Soon Lee, who was introduced in the final two episodes of Mash. Yep. So we sort of have four people from MASH on this show. Well, three regulars and, and Klinger's wife. Yeah. So how does Father Mulcahy figure into the situation? I'm glad you asked that. So as you know, on the final episode of MASH, his hearing was damaged, and he was also suffering from depression. So Potter arranged for Mulcahy to receive an operation to restore his hearing. And after that, he stopped drinking and joined Max, uh, joined Max Klinger and Colonel Potter at General General as its Catholic chaplain. So we have our three particulars and Soon Lee. And they're all together here at General General in the middle of Missouri. So, what kind of shenanigans would they get into? Pretty sane, pretty quiet ones, it turns out. In fact, uh, the only other character to appear on Aftermatch was Radar, who was in a a two-parter. Yeah. And I think it was actually promoted on Match Game of Hollywood Squares Hour. Yeah, because they do promote because yeah, because when Gary Berghoff was on, his two-parter was on that week, and Gene mentioned it in one Yeah, episode. and I think that was the only time Gary Berghoff was on that uh, show on Match Game Hollywood Squares. So looking at the cast, and it looks like only those three people would be on all 31 episodes. Of course, you have several other people who would be there for the great majority of the episodes between both seasons. But yeah, those three were it. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, characters that occasionally appeared or or primarily appeared. Okay, Uh, well, again, we talked about the first three. Colonel Potter, Max Klinger, and Father Mulcahy, they were played by their respective actors, Harry Morgan, Jamie Farr, and William Christopher. Then you have Rosalind Chow, who would go on to, of course, be uh, Keiko O'Brien on Star Trek The Next Generation. Would, would, wait, would she be O'Brien's wife? That would be O'Brien's wife. Yeah! She played Soon Lee. Yeah. And also, Rosalind Chow is going to be in the 2020 uh, live-action remake of Milan. Hi, Disney Plus. How you doing? Yes. Because, like, they need... Because, yeah, like, like, they need a plug from us. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, Klinger's co- comic foil played by Brandis Kemp. Alma Cox. Alma Cox. She is the uh, comic foil to uh, Max Klinger. Okay. Now, Brandis Kemp, I have... She, oh, wait. Fridays. She was on Fridays. Sadly, no longer with us, though. 
Oh. Yeah, just passed about a month and a half ago. Mm -hmm. July 4th of 2020. So uh -huh. last month. Yeah, not that long ago. Yep. And then you have the character of Mildred Potter, who is actually played by two people. Barbara Townsend played her in season one, and Anne Petoniak played her in season two. Oh, but next we have the character of Bob Skinnell, played by Patrick Cranshaw. And if you don't know who that is, he's best known for playing Blue in Old School. Oh, my gosh, it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you look at him, it's like, yep, that's him. End of story. Yeah, he was. An, and he's another person that's been all around. He, he's done many uh, guest starring roles on TV over the years. Again, also because he's like ancient at the time. Uh, not with us any longer. Uh, then uh, two more names that uh, I feel we need to cover. Michael D'Angelo, who played a uh, an administrator at General General, was played by John Chapel or Chappell. And where might we know him from? Well, one place we'll definitely talk about him at some point is uh, he was Buddy Dornster on a future installment, the new WKRP in Cincinnati. But besides that, it seems like uh, he was another one of those people who made guest appearances on a number of TV shows. Looks like really all he did was the new WKRP in Cincinnati and, and after MASH. And then one final name I want to mention. And she played the attractive secretary at General General. Ooh, I know who this is. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. When you hear the name, you may be like, who? But if you're... A, a good TV viewer, uh, both old and new TV, you'll recognize the name. Wendy Shaw. She of both It's a Living and American Dad. That's the one, yes. Yeah, she's the voice of Francine on American Dad. Oh, oh, yeah, that that's her, yes. Yep, that's her. Yeah, that's, that's her. her. That's her. Yeah. And also, as uh, Chico had mentioned, uh, she played Vicki Allen on It's a Living uh, for the first uh, season only, 1980-81. Uh, yeah, back when it it was on it was on a network. Anyway. Well, it, it was on a network, and also I don't think they had uh, Ann Gillian at the time. No. Really? I, I feel like we should call up Chris Lane and ask him, hey, was uh, no, Ann Gillian on the first no, season? No, Ann Gillian was on the first season of it's a living. Who'd she get replaced by then? I didn't she get replaced by Crystal Bernard? Yes. No. What? No. Yeah, she got replaced by Crystal or oh, Shirley Ralph. Yeah. One of those well, two. Well, is it a Shirley Ralph or or Crystal Bernard? I, I definitely agree with those two names. It definitely uh, wasn't Shirley Ralph. It definitely wasn't Crystal Bernard because they didn't appear until the syndicated version. I don't believe. No, they did not. So she missed, may have just left, gotten a better offer. But also, it's possible what may have happened is, you know, Wendy might have gotten let go. And then where she actually would have ended up in 81, 82 was on Fantasy Island as Julie. Oh, so she was just all over the place. She was all over ABC in, in the early 80s. So we were talking earlier about what may have happened? Well, first off, you know, Klinger's big thing on MASH was dressing in drag, stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's not happening over here, I don't see. I, I just couldn't see it happening over here. But also, think about any time a show has been extended by creating a spinoff, how long it goes on. And I'm, I'm not talking about a, a spinoff in terms of one character, like let's say Frasier off the chairs and spinning him off. I'm talking about essentially an extension of the show uh, to try and generate ratings because a character was written off or something happened. What's coming to mind is the Golden Palace. Joey. No, Joey's another one. Uh, 
also Archie Bunker's place. This sort of falls in the same category. Great long TV show. I mean, you still had, you know, three of like the six or seven main characters on MASH. But when you look at Archie Bunker's place, uh, Edith had passed away. I think Edith was as uh, big of a part of All in the Family as, as uh, Archie Bunker was. And then you had Stephanie had grown up. And then the Stivics, uh, Mike and Gloria, they had moved out. Mm-hmm. And now Archie is, is running his own bar. So they kept the show alive. Yeah, and, and, and with, albeit, you know, just Stephanie and, and, and Archie, but it's sort of like the same show, maybe with some different characters at a new hangout. And then obviously you got something similar going on with Golden Palace because you lost B. Arthur, and then they opened up a hotel, and then you add in Cheech Marin and Don Cheadle. It's a valid point. Yeah, you, know, you, you lose a couple of the main characters, bring in some uh, a new setting and, and new characters. Saved by the Bell of the College years. Future entry, Saved by the Bell of the College years. There's another one. We've just listed four examples besides Aftermath. That may have been what happened. It was trying to keep energy in an existing, long-running franchise, but... You know, you just lose a little bit of the magic when you're missing the key parts. Like I said, Raider O'Reilly and, uh, and Hawkeye and, and Hot Lips. But it's kind of interesting because after Aftermash, there was another pilot or a spinoff, which got the pilot stage. And it was a spinoff for... Radar O'Reilly, and this is actually something we just added to our, our submission list. It was a pilot called Walter, because his name was Walter Radar O'Reilly. Yep. And that didn't even get past pilot stage, so nope. there, there's the end of the, uh, the line for the MASH um, trilogy, if you will, the, 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 the show MASH. So that's probably what happened, why it got killed. At least my theory. Somebody prove me wrong. That's right, you can't. You probably could, but... Anyway. You're not doing it on this show. Anyway, in the next next season, because there was a second season, uh, Mike D'Angelo was transferred to Montana and was replaced by smarmy new administrator Wally Wainwright, played by Peter Michael Getz. I have no idea who this cat is. Uh, and, and as we said, Anne Petoniak replaced Barbara Townsend as Mildred Potter. After half a season as a recurring character, David Ackroyd was promoted to a regular cast member. And you had a new psychiatrist named Lenore Dudzak, played by Wendy Gerard, given the daunting task of evaluating Klinger. Boy, that's a case study and a half. Oh, by the way, you neglected to mention one character from season one. Oh, what's that? Dr. Gene Pfeiffer, played by J.O. Saunders, who's better known as that guy from that movie, but he's perhaps best known as the jerk-off broadcaster in Angels in the Outfield. Oh, that guy. Yeah, Lance Wilder. Anyway, we we said there were 31 episodes. Let's go over them, shall we? Yeah. We're going to start with season one, episode one. Now, this is um, part one of the two-part series debut. September of 53, a fresh from Korea and bored Potter takes a job as chief of staff at the General Pershing VA Hospital, a.k.a. General General. He writes a letter to a struggling Klinger, offering him the job of secretary, and Klinger accepts. Well, again, we said the job market was tough coming back from the war. Yep. And, of course, Klinger was being, well, Klinger. I don't think that flies in general, general. No, it does not. Episode two, Together Again. Potter arranged for a depressed alcoholic father Mulcahy to come to St. 
Lewis for ear surgery, and he eventually decides to take a job as the hospital chaplain. Which we had mentioned earlier in this episode. Yeah. Again, this these are these two episodes are your season your series premiere. Yep. And now this is where the fun starts. Episode three, Klinger versus Klinger. Klinger and Soon Lee argue about Soon Lee wanting to get a job. Potter and Piper offer operate on a patient without proper identification, and Mulcahy rushes to write his monthly report. So you have uh, two sort of side stories that you would see on the original MASH, and then you have something kicking and screaming into the new era. It's like, we're on the home front, and women wants to work. That takes us to episode four, Snap, Crackle, Plop. Klinger takes his civil service exam on less than 12 hours' notice. Potter tries to get D'Angelo, who'd rather buy a new canopy to get a new autoclave, and Mulcahy deals with a patient who thinks God is trying to kill him. Again, you have your A plot, your B plot, and a C plot. Notice how they all center around the uh, three particulars and their, uh, and their expertise. Klinger is, of course, Klinger. Potter is very much in the, in the bureaucracy. And Father Mulcahy's just trying to find God again. Pretty much. Episode five is Staph Infection. S-T-A-P-H. Staph Infection. Potter yeah. deals with a dying World War I friend and patient. Klinger tries to get organized, and Mulcahy tries to control a flasher. All while a staph infection grips the hospital, and an inspection is on the way. Hmm. And again, this follows what Chico just mentioned. You have three different plots, one with each character. I'm following a pattern here. We'll see if it continues in episode six, Night Shift. During the night shift at the hospital, Pfeiffer deals with fatigue and overwork. Mulcahy helps the patient see his son, and Klinger searches for missing mattresses while Potter tries to get back home to a fancy dinner with his wife. Well, there's four plots. Well, one thing I want to note is there's... And they're two... all equally plausible, by the way. Well, one thing I want to note is there's two notable guest stars in this episode. The first is... So we were talking about Match Game Hollywood Squares earlier. This person was on a week of Match Game Hollywood Squares early in the run. Blake Clark. Yeah. Blake Clark of future installment women in prison, Blake Clark? Yes. Well, also Blake Clark, who most people may know as the hardware store owner on Home Improvement. Yeah. And it should also be noted Blake Clark was a guest star in the final episode of MASH. Not sure if he was playing the same character as in the final episode of MASH, but it should be noted. And also, in as a guest star in this episode, a notable name, David Graff. Tackleberry? Tackleberry from Police Academy, yes. Also, notable uh, Pyramid alumni, David Graff. He loves playing the Pyramid. Yeah, he was very good on Pyramid, R.I.P. And also, uh, we should add about Blake Clark, just very uh, interesting. Uh, he actually served in uh, Vietnam. So oh. You, you had an actual veteran on MASH, which I think is an interesting little coincidence. And very, and very, uh, very meta, actually. So he would know about all the stuff that goes on at a Veterans Administration Hospital. Most likely, right. yes. Episode 7, Shall We Dance? Alma tries to get From Here to Eternity banned from General General, while Pfeiffer tries to win the affections of Alma's secretary, Bonnie, who only has eyes for Klinger. We are in the Twilight Zone. Somebody has eyes for Max Klinger. Obviously, he wasn't wearing a dress. Hmm. Obviously. Episode 8, Little Broadcast of 53. 
During an October week at General General, a new nurse suggests the hospital work and hijinks. Klinger begins to do lunchtime PA broadcasts, and Mulcahy deals with a clingy patient. Another note I want to put a point out about this episode is guess who plays a guest star in this episode? Uh, as the new nurse? No, no, no. As uh, the character Ernie Temple. No idea. I know, but I'm not going to say. Yeah. It's someone who we mentioned in the previous entry, Chico. It's somebody who gave us a shout-out on Twitter. Holy crap, Tim Stack? Yes. Hi, Tim. How you doing? And it should be noted, he plays another character in another episode of Aftermath. In season two, he plays a different character named Herd. Going into episode nine, Sunday Cruddy Sunday. On Visitor's Day at General General, D'Angelo flirts with Mildred Potter's niece, much to Alma's chagrin. A freelance preacher gives false, host, false hope to patients, and a healthy man tries to get admitted. Gee, Sunday Cruddy Sunday. Gee, there was a popular song in 1983 from a certain group called U2 called Sunday Bloody Sunday. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it. Man, think about that. Freaking U2 in 1983 inspired a title on the MASH spinoff. That's how long they've been around. They have been a lo- they have been around a long while, yes. And how relevant they've been too, absolutely. They've been they've been relevant for all those years. Episode ten, Thanksgiving of fifty three. It's the first Thanksgiving home since Korea, and the Potters are deluged with guests, including a camera bug Mulcahy. All the clingers from Toledo, a mooching Viper, and a lonely D'Angelo, notably Potter's daughter and grandchildren, who are often mentioned in the original series, appear in this episode. Now get ready, folks. Guest starring in this episode, Thanksgiving of 53, playing the character of Bruce Ennis. Guys, it's Jamie Widows! <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We've had two Jamie Widows mentions in one week? You can never have enough Jamie Widows on this podcast. You really can. <laughs> he may be our uh, second patron saint behind McLean Stevenson. All we have to do is all we have to do is talk about uh Charles in Charge season one and yeah. And just remember, on Magnificent Beard Guy's uh, day he won $30,000, either the first or the second, I think it was his first, it was Jamie Wills' birthday. What a, what a great way to have your birthday, Magnificent Beard Guy winning thirty grand. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And I will continue to bring up that fact anytime we mention the name Jamie Widows. Jamie Widows. Did you know that? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Episode 11, Fallout. Not the video game Fallout. Potter and Pfeiffer consider leaving the bureaucratic BA hospital, but a patient who contracted leukemia from government atomic testing bring them back. Larry Gelbart was nominated for the Outstanding Directing in a Comedy Series Emmy after directing this episode. Okay, another notable guest star who is in this episode. Okay, playing the character of Joe Warner, William Sadler. Now, William Sadler is best known as Death in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and is reprising the role of Death in Bill and Ted Face the Music. Yeah, that's right. Nice. Yeah, that's right, folks. I worked in a plug to Bill and Ted Face the Music, which is probably coming out on demand by the time this episode comes out. And yes, I'm going to gladly pay the $24.99 to see it. Damn right. I've been waiting 30 years for that Bill and Ted third movie, damn it. Episode 12, The Bladder Day Saints. During the annual bladder inspection for local vets, 
Piper deals with his first death. A patient tries to fake back pain to stay in the hospital, and Klinger begins to feel uncomfortable when he meets a friend from Korea who didn't come back whole. Again, these are all things that happen. This is very real. It's like what goes on in this show is very, very, very real. Yeah, I, I can't argue that. Uh, as, as my mom worked in uh, a VA hospital, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, it's gory to say the least. Uh, I'm going to add one name. You Again, you're not going to recognize the name, I don't think, but when you see the picture, you're going to be like, I know him. Playing Gorsi, uh, he may have even been the... Uh, the, the person uh, who lost his leg in this episode is played by Mickey Jones. And you're saying, well, who's Mickey Jones? Who's Mickey Jones? You look at him. Well, if you look at his picture, he looks somewhat familiar because he played one of Tim Allen's friends on Home Improvement. Oh, Mickey Jones. Yeah. Do, do you see the beard? I mean, the, the beard get, gives it away. It. Now I see it. Now you know who he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I knew you'd recognize him. Now I now I do. Okay. Episode 13, all about Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, the Cliggers announce they're having a baby, and an oppressed Alma consoles herself by trying to fire Klinger. It seems so, like something cl the Cliggers would do, and it also seems like something Alma would do. Episode 14, Chief of Staff. As Klinger plans to prepare a special surprise for Colonel Potter's birthday, Mr. D'Angelo finds out he needs prostate surgery, and a Southern African-American nurse finds it hard to adjust to an integrated hospital. This was episode 14 of the series, Aftermash, Don't Play. Yeah, I mean, it's very timely when you consider... Uh, we're talking about 1953 or so uh, that something like this would come up given mm -hmm. all the racial issues that happened back in the fifties and early sixties. Yeah. A time we don't really want to talk about necessarily, but we shouldn't forget. We don't want to talk about it, but we shouldn't forget it. Yeah. I'm going to add one mm -hmm. name that guested on this episode uh, playing Gus. Gus Bell in this episode was Frank Cady. Again, May not recognize the name, but when you see the face, you know that's Sam Drucker from Green Acres. Oh. It's Mr. Drucker. Mm. Mr. Drucker. Yeah. Nice looking man. Sadly, no longer with us. Episode 15, CYA. Father Mulcahy fights bureaucracy to get the VA to pay for his ear surgery and another patient's transportation. Klinger helps out a paralyzed patient, and the hospital scrambles to find a missing patient. Okay, guest starring in this episode is... Oh, you're not going to believe this name. Timothy Busfield. Yes, that's right. The guy from 30-something. Yeah, that'd only be, what, about four years away at this point. Yeah. And about, what, five years before he plays Kevin Costner's jerk-off brother-in-law in Field of Dreams. Episode six. Oh, God. Okay, here we go. This is when all, This is when we, as fans, get to mark out here. Episode 16. Yours truly, Max Klinger. Klinger writes Radar a letter about recent events in his life, including Soon Yi being pregnant with his child, his struggle to sell frozen beef to make a little extra money, and a troublesome new surgeon, Dr. Boyer. This episode is the last appearance of J.O. Sanders as Dr. Gene Piper, and the first appearance of Dr. David Ackroyd as Dr. Boyer, and features a guest appearance by Gary Burkhoff reprising his role as Radar O'Reilly. 
And it was written by Ken Levine and David Isaacs, who, of course, are gods. Especially Ken Levine. Episode 17, It Had to Be You. Radar takes refuge at the Potters after he discovers his fiancée was unfaithful. Meanwhile, Dr. Boyer finds it hard to approach women at a local bar. Hmm. He's already fitting in. Yeah. But yeah, this uh, these two episodes would basically serve as the fan service episodes, it looks like. Yeah. This episode has Gary Berghoff in it again. Mm-hmm. So there's the two episodes that Gary was in. Episode 18, Odds and Ends. Klinger resorts to gambling to get money for the coming baby, and Mulcahy helps Scannell write a new will before Scannell goes under the knife. Gambling to get money. This is not going to end well for Klinger. It's for the baby. And writing a new will right before you go under the knife, that's... That's also not going to go well. That's morbid, yeah... Yeah. Episode 19, another Saturday night. With the missus out of town for the night, Dr. Potter heads for the local bar for a meal and someone to talk to. Meanwhile, on Potter's advice, D'Angelo begins to socialize with the hospital patients, but causes more harm than help, and Klinger, who, by the way, is directing this episode, tries to keep up with Soon Lee's cravings. Probably why he was relegated to the C-plot because Jamie Barr was directing. Episode 20, Fever Pitch. A hot day brings a patient who needs his fever cooled. Dr. Boyer wants to use a cooling blanket, but it's not BA approved, so he turns to Clinger to get one. Meanwhile, Father Mulcahy is in search of a new place to stay after life in the rectory turns substandard. Episode 21, By the Book. Mulcahy must stop a man who thinks he is Superman from endangering other patients. Oh, God. Are you kidding me? And now we go into the season finale. Episode 22, Up and Down Payments. Klinger gets arrested for punching a crooked real estate agent. Sudi goes into labor. And this episode is the last appearance of John Chappell as Mark D'Angelo and Barbara Townsend as Mildred Potter. And I guess this would be your cliffhanger since Klinger's wife is in labor. And Klinger is in jail. Oh, no. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yep. Who'll sign the birth certificate? We'll find out at the beginning of season two on September 23rd, 1984 with Les Miserables or Les Miserables. While Sunyi is being rushed to the delivery room, Klinger stands in a jail cell worried about his wife and later conspires with another inmate to make his escape. He needs to, how about finding a dress first? Seems to be good at that. Escaping, you need to escape in a dress. Just saying. Meanwhile, VA Administrator Burt Philbrick, played by Max Wright, Wait the a, hospital. That Max Wright from Elf? Yes! Ruby Tanner! That Max Wright! Yeah! And a future entry, Misfits of Science. Nice. He later informs Dr. Potter that Mr. D'Angelo has been replaced. Soon Lee gives birth to her son with Max at her side after he tells everyone he's going to hide out at the hospital. I'm trying to figure that one out, but I think we should never learn to try and figure out Max Klinger. But that's another story for another character. Episode 24, Calling Dr. Habibi. While Elaine Wright arrives and immediately runs into Klinger, who is still on the run from the law. After introducing himself as Dr. Habibi, (laughs) Klinger is asked to show Mr. Wainwright around. Meanwhile, Alma is demoted to Potter's clerk, and Boyer tries to prove himself to Wainwright despite his prosthetic leg. Episode 25. Strangers and Other Lovers. Potter tries to deal with the overbearing Alma Cox. Boyer beds the wife of a patient, and Klinger is finally arrested. 
Now you see, I wonder if that might be the reason why maybe this uh, show got canceled not too long after this. Uh, just Klinger as a fugitive, I, I, I don't see that being a, a plot line that viewers or, or fans would want to remember. Besides that, also, I'm sure the ratings were not that good. But I don't know. I, I just don't see Klinger being on the lam as a ratings grabber. And for yeah. five episodes? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't help matters in season two that it was airing at Tuesdays at 8 opposite the A-Team. Uh, that'll kill it. Yeah. Episode 26. Trials. Klinger's trial finally takes place, with the results of Klinger being found not guilty by reason of insanity. Klinger is also ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation at General General. Meanwhile, at the hospital, Dr. Boyer ends up performing a difficult operation. Edward Winter reprises his mash role as Colonel Flagg to testify against Klinger. And we should note... Uh, again, another person whose name you na may not recognize, but playing the judge on this episode is Pat Corley, uh, who you may uh, know better as Phil on Murphy Brown. So Phil the bartender was a uh, the judge in this uh, courtroom. Yep. Episode 27. Madness to his method. Dr. Potter writes to Dr. Sidney Freeman about recent events at the hospital. Dr. Potter loves to write, it seems, including news of the hospital's brand-new psychiatrist, Dr. Lenore Dudzik, who has arrived to perform Klinger's psychological evaluation. Meanwhile, Boyer flirts with Dudzik, Potter tries to connect with the silent patient, and Wainwright decides to serve deluxe meals in the cafeteria to prevent malcontent from the patients. So yeah, there's that. Episode 28, The Recovery Room. The Klinger baby causes friction between Mr. and Mrs. Potter while Klinger tries to get mental disability from the VA and Desik tries to convince Boyer to attend group therapy. Meanwhile, Dr. Andy Caldwell arrives at the hospital for an internship. And this is where we see the second appearance of Timothy Stack. Mm-hmm. And then it takes November and then it takes November sweeps off. What a shock. Yeah. So we don't get uh, so we don't get a new episode until December 4th where we see Ward is hell. Klinger runs into a hospital. Klinger runs a hospital lottery but trouble ensues when Soon Lee has the winning ticket. Meanwhile, Dr. Boyer is laid up with a staph infection, bringing his anger and bad attitude to the post-op ward. There's that staph infection again. Thought they cleared it up the first time. Yeah, they had to clean up for the inspection. Bake them ice and it'll clear that right up. Anyway, episode 30, and this was the final episode broadcast in the U.S., and it was look at broad, the air date. Yeah, I'm looking at the air date. May 31st. So it was placed on hiatus after Ward is Hell. Until it aired on May 31st, 1985. Attempts at weekend's romances are interrupted when the Potter's car breaks down and Wainwright revokes passes for the psychiatric ward. Elsewhere, the Clicker baby is christened and named. Now, this was actually the penultimate episode, because there's still two more episodes listed. One did not air in the U.S., and one was not even produced. Ooh. The baby is finally named? I mean, mm -hmm. Now, now I, I realize this is all of, like, seven episodes into the season, but remember, the season started in September, and this aired May 31st, so you're talking... Eight months later. Yep. That was one hell of a pregnancy. Thoras. It's a future thing on TV. Oh, and we'll talk about that at some point, too. Mm-hmm. 
And the final episode to be produced was Wet Beat. A Missouri thunderstorm leads Alma to practice her role as the hospital civil defense officer. The doctor is to take refuge at a supply room poker game and a mental patient to lock himself in the hospital fallout shelter after mistaking the storm for a nuclear attack. And it should be noted according to Wikipedia, the episode Wet Feet was set to air at 8 p.m. on May 31st, 1985, immediately before the airing of Saturday's Heroes. However, CBS instead showed a CBS News special called Tax Reform Other Views in that time slot, as announced on the CBS Evening News that day. Saturday's Heroes was actually originally scheduled to air on December 11, 1984, according to TV Guide. However, CBS preempted Aftermath for its annual presentation of Frosty the Snowman. Hey, tax reform was big in 1985. Reaganomics. Yeah, and you can't go wrong with a bit of Frosty. And the script for the episode that was not produced all day, all night, Mary Ann was written. But obviously, they probably already canceled the show at that point. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, when, when the show was gone from uh, pretty much uh, Christmas time or December until May and it didn't even appear in November sweeps, yeah, you're uh, probably not going to be renewed. No, they're yeah. not, you're not getting that third season. Nope. In no, fact, not, not uh, at all. In fact, in 1999, Time Magazine listed the show as one of the 100 worst ideas of the century. And in 2002, TV Guide listed it as the seventh worst TV show ever. Really? Oh, so, we, so we actually covered two of the 50 worst TV shows ever, according to TV Guide, this week. That, that's pretty remarkable. But really, this is number seven. Yep. Well, again, remember, like I said earlier, it's such a uh, a, a different show compared to the original Mash. I, I gave the reasons, the comparisons to, you know, Golden Girls and uh, and Golden Palace and All in Family and Archer Bunker's Place. Wait, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the same thing going on. Okay, but here's the thing: it's called After Mash. What do you expect? A decent show? I can't answer. But that. I mean, you—it's not like they're going to be in Korea. No, you're, you're you're right about that. Well, guys, I think it's time to wrap this up, and there's only one way we can do that. Let me it's get the Price is Right. Oh shit! Oh, oh. play the music. Go ahead. What is okay. this? What What is this? It's an aftermath script. Oh. It, it's for the episode by the book. It is signed by Wayne Morton. Uh, it looks pretty bleh, bleh in terms of scripts. It has the date January 10th of 1984 on it. And uh, the... It looks like just any other script. I mean, it, it's not like a fancy cover or anything. It just has your, your usual, like, brass rivets in there. Uh, condition looks okay. I mean, for being 36 years old, it's it's passable. Uh, so we're going to start this time. I'm going to start with Greg because I think I started with Chico last time. Uh, we'll do whole dollars. No dollars and cents. Whole, whole dollars. dollars. Whole dollars. And this is a buy it now for what it's worth. $49? You say that inquisitively. $49? Okay, we'll take that. $49. $49. Okay. Chico. $69. Chico, you almost got the... For a perfect bid. Because I thought you are going to stop at 60 It's $60. Oh, yeah. So well, if you want your own piece of Aftermath history... 60 bucks. That's three Andrew Jacksons. That'll get you after Ash. I'm not buying it. I would. Uh, 
Because as we already established, I hate money. (laughs) Greg hates money. But you know what we don't hate? Mm -hmm. We don't hate it when people go to our website and listen to previous episodes and go to our socials and and, uh, follow us and all sorts of stuff like that. And you can do all that at itwasathingontv.com. We've got, oh my gosh, over 90 episodes, uh, including many episodes of the live shows. And, uh, and we've got big things coming. We're only like, what, about six weeks away from episode 100. Yep. And this, uh, this is number 88. So we're not terribly far from the century mark. And we have a very special century episode. The 100th episode is, is very special. Uh, but also... Coming with the 100th episode are new things to the website. Let's say that. New things to the podcast, uh, improvements. Um, we're not going to say what uh, they are, but you'll you'll like them. We'll, we'll just keep it at that. Uh, but again, that's roughly about six weeks away. We're looking at uh, probably uh, late the first week of October for episode 100. So not too far away. If you're a big fan of this show, you're really going to enjoy episode 100, we think. Oh, I, I really hope so, because this has been pretty much uh, on uh, the schedule as episode 100, gosh, probably since like episode 15 or 20. We, we said, okay, we're definitely doing this. There's no way that we're changing this. We, we've got to cover this uh, for this special moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... We're about five, six weeks away from that, so just uh, hang tight. We'll, we'll be there in early October. And uh, as always, please like and subscribe. You know, uh, follow us on our uh, our website through Podbean. Rate and review us. Leave us some feedback on on Apple Podcast. And uh, five five stars. We accept nothing less. Yeah, five stars, or you can just get out of here. And, of course, don't forget to share, because as the kids would say... Sharing is caring. And isn't it? Yeah. Sharing is indeed caring. Until next week... Oh, my gosh. Oh, my... First episode's a Greg episode. Just saying that right now. First episode's a Greg episode. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey Greg, I'm going to help you on that because hey, I yeah. remember that show. Yeah, because you're, and... yeah, you're in North Carolina, so you, you'd obviously. Of course. And the second episode, Mike, I'm going to help you with that show, too. Well, I think that might be a Greg episode because I think Greg really wanted to do that episode. So... There's two episodes. I, I know Greg's going to have fun next week. I know Chico's going to have fun next week. I guarantee I'll have fun doing that episode next week. And I'm sure you'll have fun listening to both those episodes next week right here on It Was a Thing on TV. Enjoy the rest of your week. Hey, Kiesel, do you want to know more about our papers? <laughs>